Hello, listeners. Kayla here with a Midsummer Update. Although we have not been posting main channel episodes, we have been busy over on Patreon with exclusive Microdose episodes available to patrons starting at the $2 level. Many of these episodes are video recordings, and the episode you are about to hear is audio extracted from one of these videos. We thought that the information we talk about in this episode should be made available to everyone because it is so important, but it also gives a taste for what those exclusive Patreon episodes sound like. If you like what you hear, are interested in video episodes, or want to get more Lethal Dose content, we have a $2 tier and a $5 tier that you can sign up for at any time. And if you prefer to just listen to regular episodes, we hope you enjoy this bonus episode about Modern Birth Control Methods, which is a follow-up to our Season 1 episode on the birth control pill, and we will be back with more main channel episodes in September. See you then! So, are you ready for this absolutely angering episode, really? I think that's the main emotion I feel when I think about this. Yeah, I think that that's spot on. So, <laughs> no better time than now, no. I suppose. No. Uh, I do want to say at the top of the episode that we will be discussing some body talk, including um, numbers, weights, BMIs. So, some listeners may find that triggering, and if you do, this episode may not be for you. Or you may proceed. It will be a small portion of what we talk about, but proceed with caution. All right. Where are we starting? So we're talking about contraceptives some more. Mm -hmm. And I know of some, but tell us about what types of contraceptives there are. Okay. So there's only really a handful of contraceptives, but it's kind of like you can make a graph that's like, you know, you can choose this contraceptive, and then you can choose all of these uh, hormones that can be used with the contraceptive. And they're all essentially the same thing, but there's just so many combinations that it can get overwhelming. So the options that uh, female-bodied individuals have for chemical and hormonal birth control are implants that you put in your arm. We have, I'm scrolling. IUDs, and these are um, interuterine devices. And actually, I've always heard hormonal and um, copper IUDs both be called interuterine devices, but I have seen some that distinguish between hormonal and copper by saying that copper is an interuterine device and hormonal are IUSs, which is an interuterine, I can't even remember the word now, IU IUS. Okay. Uh, so you might see them as that, but I think most of the time in the U.S. we just call them both Yeah, IUDs. I've heard both kind of interchangeably. Yeah. I just recently learned that there was one that was a non-hormone option. Right. Uh, we also have the shot, and really there's just the one version of this. So if you've ever heard of Depo or Depo Provera, that's mm -hmm. the shot. As long as I can remember, we've only ever had this is the shot. And that's the one where it's like a three-month, you're... Uh, I think that they have different ones that last for different amount of times, but I think oh, okay. it does tend to be three months. And that's the okay. only one that um, you kind of, you get it, and then 
from that point, you're covered, but you also can't reverse it. So everything else, mm. you can stop taking a pill, you can take out an IUD, you can take out an implant. Got it. Uh, we also have vaginal rings that you insert into the body and then they continuously put out the hormones and you don't need to take it out and, until it like runs out. Uh, there's patches and then there's pills and there's a couple different kind of pills and so that's probably the one that has the most options because there's five different kinds of pills actually. Let me see if I can find where this says the five different kinds. So there are conventional combination pills, extended cycle combination pills, monophasic combination pills, and multiphasic combination pills. So conventional combination pills are the pills that you take for 21 days and then there's a week of dummy pills. Mm -hmm. Extended cycle combination pills are for the people who want to have their period less frequently. Okay. And so you can take it for three months and then you'll get your dummy pill. You can take it for a year, however long it is. Those ones have always freaked me out because I'm like, if I miss a period, I want to know. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. that kind of um, removes the confirmation yeah. that things are yeah, yeah. So in line there, but okay. Monophasic pills are when there's the same amount of estrogen and progesterone in each pill, so they're okay. equal. And then multiphasic means that they have differing amounts. And then the mini pill has just progesterone and no estrogen. Got it. So those okay. are the five kinds of pills that we have. And those are basically all of the range of chemical and hormonal birth control. And then among those, I actually made a spreadsheet for these. There's only like 20 hormones and chemicals that we really use for birth control. And that's just what, you know, we're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of this or a little bit of this and a little bit of this. It's just all the combinations of those are what is out there on the market to make the different kinds of birth control. Got it. Mm-hmm. And what about emergency contraceptives? Emergency contraceptives. So emergency contraceptives are basically made up of the same estrogens. I think that they're just at different levels. So the kind of emergency contraceptives that we're talking about are like Plan B, Take Action, My Way, Aftera. Um, there's one called Ella. And this is the only one. This is where we're getting into the infuriating stuff. This is the only one that's recommended for users who need a morning-after pill who are over, depending on what study you read, 155 pounds, 165 pounds, or a BMI of 30, which is a range of, like, I don't know if I can take all the other ones, right? Yeah, that's a pretty big yeah. group. Yeah, because, like, I actually looked it up, and I, I did some numbers, so... I technically, if the range is 155, I would have to take the pill that's meant for overweight individuals because I weigh over 155. And I wouldn't say that I am a large person. No, you to me are a very average sized. I would say so. And now my BMI isn't 30. So maybe, maybe they'd say it's okay. I'm not over 165. Maybe they'd say it's okay. But what if you have a woman who's 5'10 and necessarily has to be over 155 pounds? Do you look at the weight or the BMI? So a doctor may have this information, but just reading through what I've been finding with studies and with just stuff online, which again, is obviously it has its flaws. It's just, it's very confusing for the consumer. You really do have to go to a physician and be like, hey, is this okay? You can't just go to the pharmacist and be like, I need the morning after pill because shit happened. Well, and that's where I'm thinking back on, I've had multiple friends who have needed 
to take the morning after pill Mm -hmm. and the majority of them were over 155 yeah for sure yeah and the efficacy of that was never brought up it was Mm -hmm. just here's and i believe it was all plan b Mm -hmm. like is what happened and so i mean none of them ended up pregnant so who knows if the pill worked or if it just never it wasn't an issue yeah the the magic never happened in there yeah um but that was never brought up right or never discussed and i mean luckily now i i guess i'm coming at it from a point of view where i've been on the same birth control you know the copper iud for like eight or so years and so i just haven't had to think about this since i was a teenager and in my early 20s and it's just like we didn't really talk about it back then like there wasn't there wasn't as much i think sex positivity and body positivity as there is now because um there is a show i actually started watching and then never finished because i have adhd brain or something and um it's, it's called shrill and this woman she keeps not advocating for herself and she so she keeps taking the morning after pill because she has a fucked up relationship with her boyfriend and she's a larger person and her pharmacist just gives it to her and she ends up pregnant and she goes to her OBGYN and she's like I don't understand I took the morning after pill and they're like oh it's actually not effective for larger women yeah so like we have we have that now but like we didn't when I was trying to make these decisions for myself yeah we didn't really have an option Mm -hmm. like um there was a planned parenthood in the town i grew up in Mm -hmm. um that is no longer there um the conservatives ran them off um and so that was really the only place you could go for that type of thing um and this is back like between 2002 2006 Mm -hmm. um but that was never never once brought up and yeah. I'm really like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious to tell my friends about this. Like, yeah, you got lucky guys. I know. <laughs> like, and who, it, would, who would have thought? It just sucks that like we weren't given this information either. So I no, don't Cause know. how can we advocate for ourselves mm-hmm. if we don't even know that this is something that we need to consider? Right. So, oh, and another thing I wanted to say about um, emergency contraception is apparently the copper IUD can be used for emergency contraception. Oh, Which I find very interesting. Like, optimally, they put it in the uterus when you're on your period for whatever reason. So it's, like, one of the most awkward visits you get to have with your OBGYN. But apparently it can be used for that if that... So, I mean, there is an option, but it's also, like, kind of a long-term thing. We'll talk about Paragard later and the, the risks that may be involved with that but it's something that somebody could maybe consider like mm-hmm. something happened i need an emergency contraceptive right and i guess while we're in here let's think about the long term mm-hmm. okay yeah um but i did want to talk about um the the weight issue still because it's just i don't know th- this is <laughs> for anybody who's like being triggered we'll talk about it and then this will be the last we'll talk about it so let's just get it all out of the way at once and so when I was reading about the Norplant, um, uh, the Norplant that you put in your arm, studies done on the Norplant by, um, through clinical trial testings only studied U.S. women who are between 80 and 130% of their ideal body weight. What is your ideal body weight? Well, 
There's four different formulas you can use to find that, and they all vary pretty wildly. So I just went and I found my ideal body weight, and the average for my height, 5'2", is about 115 is the ideal body weight, which I'm pretty sure my fucking skeleton weighs 115. Yeah, that's pretty small. Yeah. And so technically, if I choose one of the formulas wrong, I weigh over 130% of my ideal body weight, and the Norplant has not been tested in people who weigh over 100. Yeah, right? And it, the whole reason behind this, in case you're just like, this is bullshit and it's body shaming, whatever, it's because serum concentrations of drugs are inversely related to body size. And so there is some scientific backing for it. Unfortunately, we still need to test in people who are over 130%. If 115 is supposed to be the ideal for me, that is just Most fucked up. Most people are going to be heavier than that. Yeah. Yeah, for real. And I, I texted you earlier and I was mm-hmm. like... Venus, you've been a lot smaller recently, so mm-hmm. what is your height and weight? And at your lowest weight, you were at 80% of your ideal body weight, meaning that if you got any smaller than that and were on birth control, you might be getting too much, and it could be toxic because you're smaller. Right, and that's going to make the chances of those really bad side effects much worse. Much higher. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'm sure that nobody is having these conversations with women. Absolutely not. Well, and now, and so I have a friend who is currently on that Mm -hmm. and she has a lot to love Mm -hmm. and that's not okay. No, no. Like, because I mean, I'm sure that she is over that quote unquote ideal weight, which that is first of all, can we have better language right? Fucking than right. ideal weight? Because bodies are made differently and there is not a cookie cutter situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like that. No. But the fact that they're not testing it in other body types and realistically, most people are going to be on the bigger side. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So why are we only testing it on... Up to 130%. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And it begs the question, too, are we only testing it on a certain group of women? Are we only testing it on, like... Are we only testing it on small women? Are we only testing it on white women? Are we only testing it on, you know, certain groups of women? And it's just... And I, I understand, too, like, I know I'm becoming really inarticulate and I need to, like, draw myself well, back in. But, but it's, it's it's really angering. It is angering. And I understand it. Like, after the last episode, if people are like, I, I don't want to be a part of any clinical trial because right. I've been targeted in the past. Like, I get that. But if there's a Puerto Rican woman or a black woman or any fucking woman who's not white and at 100% of ideal body weight is like, I want to take control of my sexual health like Mm -hmm. is there going to be a risk for them because there wasn't a a control group there wasn't a test group that was representative right like you can't you cannot test it on one very small no part of the population and expect it to work for everyone and then not even and not even talk about it Mm mm-hmm like even let's say the testing wasn't done. Let's let's forgive that piece for just a second. Like let's <laughs> let's forgive it. 
I mean, these are conversations that I feel like our healthcare providers should have Mm -hmm. with these people. Like, hey, you're outside of this range. Mm -hmm. Let's keep an eye on it. But I feel like that is absolutely not happening. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's not. (sighs) Yeah. Well, all right. (laughs) Let's let's keep the the anger train rolling. Um, What are some of the the advantages, disadvantages, pros and cons of the the different types of contraceptives out there? Okay, so the advantage of most of the ones that we have talked about are that it's kind of it's it's reversible and so you can take a pill every day and then stop you can get an iud put in you can get an implant put in and then take it out and you're good and it doesn't affect your fertility if children are something Mm. that you don't want to have now but you want to have later um you know it can help with it can help with um, heavy menstrual periods, which a lot of my friends had growing up, and mm-hmm. that's why they were originally put on birth control, is because you can end up with, like, anemia from all the blood loss right. from your period. So it can help with that. It can help with heavy flows. It can help with acne. It can help with um, avoiding preterm birth. One of, the est- or one of the progestions is actually very good at avoiding preterm birth. Um, you can use... One of the estrogens um, as a treatment to help with wasting disease for people who are suffering from AIDS. Um, and, and I think does that just mean like they're the loss of weight. I think so. And okay. so I think the estrogen, I mean, when you're on birth control, you put on weight. And so I think right. it just helps to put on and keep on weight. So it's like one of those like off-label uses, yeah. so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, estrogens can obviously be used for gender affirming hormonal therapies. Estrogens can be used for um, people who have gone into menopause and they need to maintain a synthetic level of estrogen to avoid hot flashes and actually um, bone density mm-hmm. because you start to lose your bone density once you go into menopause. And so it can help with that. Right. I mean, that's one of the, I have one ovary left. Everything else was cut yeah. out of there some years ago. And that's why we really want to try to make sure I can keep the one ovary because I'm. 34 years young if i go into menopause now like bone density is a big like a big worry for us yeah so that makes sense okay so there are a number of like there are a number of things that it's like okay it's great that we have this it's great that we can Mm -hmm. use it but when i say things that are kind of like they are quality of life but i don't know gender affirming therapy I think that's a necessity for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not breaking your hip at 40 because you're going into early menopause. That's a necessity. Right. Heavy menstruation and acne. Like, if I were talking to a teenage girl who is like, I'm thinking of going on birth control because of these things, I would really want to suggest some alternative instead of birth control just because the risks kind of seem high for something like that. That was what I was. I was put on birth control at 14. Yeah. for acne like yeah. it was pretty bad and that was literally the first thing mm-hmm. that my doctor said yeah and that w- it was literally just the first oh yeah this is what we do for acne yeah in and young women it doesn't seem like that should be the first thing that we are doing right you know? because yeah and so what are some of the disadvantages of so 
of the different types. Most of the disadvantages I would say are in the side effects that you get from birth control. And every birth control, whether it's something that you take as a pill or is it put into your body, um, pretty much every birth control has estrogen and progestin, unless you're on the mini pill, in which case it's just progestin. Okay. So the side effects from this are that um, you can get thrombosis, so deep vein thrombosis, which is a kind of blood clot, which can cause a pulmonary embolism if it moves up and gets into your lungs or your brains. It can cause a stroke. Brain, it can cause a stroke. It can cause a heart attack. Um, and you can also end up with liver disease oh. from progestion. And those, I think, are the two, the two really just like, I cannot stress enough that these are potential side effects of these. And they are pretty life-threatening. Like, I understand that, like, Acne can be, you know, a real it, bummer. It, yeah. Well, and you know, it's maybe a real bummer, man. maybe it is keeping you from getting a job, or maybe it is keeping you from like doing things. But a blood clot, like, just I right. really wish they would prescribe something else rather than yeah. children. I mean, that's because those um, those weren't those problems side effects weren't really discussed. Yeah. Um, in office, it was literally just, yeah, this is how you take it. And it was explained to me, you know, you take the these pills for the three weeks, you take mm -hmm. these for the one week off, and that was it. There was never, you could die. Yeah. You could die from this because you have acne. And my acne was, looking back on it, it was not bad enough yeah. to go on, like, dangerous hormonal medication. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I really, I think the reason that I'm like harping on this as hard as I am is because I didn't understand the dangers of birth control until I was in my 20s. I'd already been taking it for a while, so I was probably like potentially in the clear as far as like when it's the most dangerous to take hormonal birth control. But I think that it always presents a danger because it's always elevating your estrogen, but we will talk about it in more depth later. But I was working at the concert hall at my college and we held memorial services at the concert hall sometimes because you can rent out a big place and you can have people talk and you can show like videos of people's lives and one of the memorial services that I worked was for a 23 year old who died from a blood clot and I was like holy, holy shit. shit she's only a couple years older than me and she died from a blood clot like I need to rethink some things yeah that's pretty sobering yeah it really was that's ins that's insane. That is so young. I know. Like, and I think I think that's why I'm like, people need to know about this. People need to know that like, yes, it can be an asset for you, but you also really need to like discuss this with a physician and really decide if this is what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are, I made a spreadsheet and I'm like going back and forth about whether or not I want to put it on like Patreon and make it public because I have what I did is I, I broke down all of the hormones and the chemicals that are used, and I said what drug they're used in. So you can, like, you know, control F for, like, whatever drug you're on mm -hmm. or whatever birth control you're on. And most of the hormones you do end up with, like, mood changes, and you end up with a change in your sexual behavior. You end up with maybe nausea and weight gain. You can end up with abdominal cramping, breast tenderness. Like, a lot of these are the same, and there's just lists and lists and lists and lists of side effects. Most of them are the same. Some of them can get pretty bad, like changes in your stools, which can, like can indicate whether you're digesting and whether you're like bleeding internally, right? right? Like numbness in your limbs, rattled breathing, welts, vomiting, 
you know, unpleasant breath. Like, I I understand that, like, listing every side effect can be misleading. And so I really just trying to find the severe ones, you know? Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of side effects associated with birth control, like, more than I think with other drugs. And I actually, if I make this spreadsheet public, you'll see this. But I, I put... Um, grapefruit juice on here because that interacts with a lot of other drugs, caffeine, and I also put fluoxetine, so an antidepressant, Prozac that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. And I put all of the side effects that are associated with those, and there's quite a few. And you can say, I'm willing to go on fluoxetine and, you know, maybe be tired as long as I'm not like so depressed I can't go to work anymore. Like right. I can be tired. That's okay. But, you know, maybe I want to know if there's a change in my blood sugar level. Maybe that doesn't apply to me, but diabetes runs in my family, so I want to know. So I, like, I was pretty exhaustive with the side effects, but I'm not trying to be fear-mongery, I guess is the point that I'm trying well, to no, make. Well, no, but I, but if any person who has been on birth control probably knows that in your birth control, you get a pamphlet and... Mm -hmm. That pamphlet gets to be about three feet by three feet. Yeah. And the text on it is, I mean, for ants. And that's because there are so many side effects. And that's not something that you get when you're on fluoxetine. Right. Like, that's why I think, I mean, even other medications that I'm on, like the first time you're on them, the pharmacist usually goes over it with you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the side effects that are pot, like maybe a handful of things. And if you get a pamphlet, it's like much shorter. I mean, like a, like a, pe a normal piece of paper front and back. But this is like, it can interact with it's, a lot. Yeah, it can, well, it not only interact with a lot, I had no idea about that, but even just the side effects, if that's the only medication that you're on. It, it can interact with, um, and I don't want to list all of them here because there's a lot, but it, it interacts with a lot of, um, uh, it interacts with a lot of medications for psychosis and interacts with a lot of medications that act as antifungals and um, anti- Oh my god! It's like I get on the podcast and I'm, I don't remember what words are anymore. What antidepressants? Is, uh, not as much antidepressants, um, like barbiturates and phenytoin. It, it interacts with, but I'm trying to think what is penicillin? <laughs> antibiotics. It interacts with a lot of antibiotics, and that's something that people just get put on because they're like, I, I did something, and now I need antibiotics. And I have never been asked, like, are you on birth control? And when I was on birth control and they'd be like, what drugs do you want? I literally just wrote birth control because I didn't know which one I was on. And well, they and were never like, oh, we need to know which one. Right. So if you're getting put on a medication by them, they're not checking to see if there's an adverse reaction mm -hmm. in there. No. And I mean, some pharmacies, I will give credit to, sometimes they're pretty good. And they're the ones who will catch that there is a... Um, a drug, Adverse, drug interaction. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah there's a an interaction that is not good, and so then they'll take. But it's but for me, it shouldn't be on the pharmacist because then that's usually going to require more calls to your doctor, more this and that. Like, so these are things that we want people who menstruate to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Is when you get put in on any new medication, 
ask your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just looking, flat out. I'm looking at the patch here, the uh, drug that's in the birth control patch, and mm-hmm. it interacts with grapefruit juice and acetaminophen. How many people take Tylenol? Every, just, like, yeah. every day. Like, and, I have I mean, a headache. I, I have... knew it interacted with St. John's wort, and I was taking St. John's wort for a period when I was on birth control and was like, oh, shit. Well, and then... there's so many times that any type of supplements like that, mm-hmm. your doctor doesn't always know and or care yeah. about what vitamins or supplements you're on. So they wouldn't, Yeah, they're not going to ask. Yeah, right. so I think I will probably put this on the Patreon so people can go and check it out. And while it is exhaustive, it's not the last word. I would look at it just to be like cursory glance, but talk mm-hmm. to your physician. That's what I want people to walk away with is talk to your physician about these. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, okay, so if we're not talking about the hormonal ones, I did go ahead and I looked into um, chemical birth control. And aside from the copper IUD, there's also spermicide, which is used anytime you use a diaphragm or a cervical cap, which like Elaine and Seinfeld used. And I've never heard an actual person use one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've my mom and my grandma have talked about diaphragm. And so like I know that they're yeah. a thing. They're like an option. Like the sponge is an option too. Right. I've just literally like I have to carry around my diaphragm just in case. <laughs> And that's, like, I remember talking about, like, so do you just, like, excuse me while I take care of business. Right. To go right. pop that baby. And, that, like, I, nobody I I know in my age range of 30s yeah. uses one. I've never um, met anyone who actually uses it. And it is that. It is that. What What is it called? It's, like, a coitus interruptus or something. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, like, the IUD and the implant and the pill, they all just let you, like get down to business yeah but like again like a condom technically like stops things and that's just like sure if anybody's like oh i don't want to put it on because it interrupts things like it takes half a fucking second just yeah. put it on that takes half a second versus having a lifetime mm-hmm. of something to take care of yeah and there aren't too many side effects associated with the um gels there's that new fexy that they're trying to make sound like Ooh, sexy. It's so sexy. So sexy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is just a spermicidal gel. So I don't know what they're trying to make sound sexy about spermicidal gel. Yeah. Like you can you can use it with condoms and it makes it more efficient and you don't have to be on hormones all the time, which I totally get. Like Always we're having bonus. this yeah. We're having this argument about like not being on hormones and I'm like, spermicidal gel, what? Right. But, but still. It's just I don't know. It's I, I personally wouldn't use it because the Side effects of these, you're putting something in your vagina, and so you can end up with yeast infections, UTIs, you know, bacterial vaginosis, all of that sort of shit. And um, the the normal one that's normally used that isn't sexy is called non oxalnol 9. Yeah, that's, that's not as sexy. It's not as sexy. <laughs> but it's it's the one that's been around for ages. And um, it, it can cause disruptions in vaginal flora, which lead to yeast infections and ba- mm. bacterial vaginosis. But some studies have actually found that um, causing these outbreaks of a disruption in vaginal flora might put users at a higher risk of catching STDs. Oh. So, I mean, maybe it would be okay if you're using it with somebody who's, like, your person. Right. But if you're, if you're like, with multiple people, you might have a higher chance of, you know, catching an STD. 
Interesting. So, yeah. And also, um, non oxal 9, so that not Fexi, but any other spermicidal gel you'll use, has no severe interactions with anything, but you cannot ingest it. So if you're like doing multiple things right. in your business, like, and I think people need to like worry about this with condoms too, because some condoms just have it on them. Right. Like, you need to make sure you don't get it in your mouth. Yeah. Let's, I mean, order of operations, kind of <laughs> think about. Yeah. Or like do a little bit of cleanup. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. That is a good PSA. That is a good PSA. <laughs> I'm trying to be that cool aunt that's like <laughs> honest about sex and shit. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it and I'm here for it. Do not ingest the spermicidal jelly, my friends. Don't do it. It's not You're a going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. So um, those are the, the without getting too fear mongery, those are the advantages and disadvantages of all okay. of those. So does the route of consumption change the side effects of the birth control? So like we have the pill that you ingest, the patch you put on, so mm -hmm. like dermal situation, the NuvaRing, the IUD. How does that all look? So I've read a couple different things that say a couple different things. And I'm just going to say no, that the route of ingestion ultimately doesn't affect it all that much, that you're still at a certain risk of, you know, uh, deep vein thrombosis and heart attack and, you know, depression, things like that, regardless. Because I have seen some things that are like, if you take a regular pill, you know, not a mini pill, but just mm -hmm. a regular pill, mm -hmm. that it increases the serum level of the estrogen because of the first pass metabolism through the liver that we've talked about. Okay. But I've seen a couple other things that say like, oh, the patch actually has 100% bioavailability and it's kind of a high level, you know, mm. of estrogen. And then it, it sort of levels out as, as it wears off of the patch. And so I don't, it's just like, maybe, maybe I need to go through and just like put my papers in order and be like, okay, in 2018, they thought this in 2019, they found sure. this, but it just seems like, no, like you're, you're basically at risk of, of, whatever you're at risk at, no matter how you take it. And my gyno has said, like, there are IUDs that you can get that pretty much limit the hormones to just the cervix and the uterus. But it's like, it does obviously get in the serum of your whole body. So I feel like it's right. still, maybe it puts you at less risk, but I, I still feel like it puts you at risk. So ultimately, I would say no. Like, the route of ingestion doesn't change. The, the... risk is a risk is a risk. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. And so... This is, um, as a person born with uterus and ovaries and all of those things, um, mm -hmm. I am going to say that I really don't understand how hormones work as birth control. Oh, okay. Um, so how, how does that work? Okay. So progestion stops ovulation. Um, so and that's where the egg comes out of the ovary. Yes. Got yes. it. Okay. And it can also make the cervical mucus thicker so that sperm can't penetrate it to get to the egg. The swimmers aren't strong enough to get through the force field. Exactly. It okay. also does a couple other things with like other hormones that it would be like a biology <laughs> lesson for me to get sure. into. So okay. like on the surface, it prevents ovulation. And that's how those like extended ones can work like that is that it just continually prevents ovulation. Okay. Um, and it makes the cervical mucus thicker. So Okay. Short and, short and sweet Yeah, that's, that works for me. I like it. Yeah. 
And, and is the estrogen work in the same kind of way or is that one different? Yeah, I, I think that estrogen basically acts in the same way. And we talked about in, um, in the birth control episode how he didn't want to use estrogen and then was finding that the more estrogen that he used, the less breakthrough bleeding there was. Mm, and so mm -hmm. I think that it just works... Um, because you have it in the body. It's not like we, we just have estrogen this right. day and then we have our period and we just, we do whatever. Like there's always this like mix. So I think that they just complement each other. And so okay. estrogen can be used to, um, it can be used to moderate vasomotor symptoms apparently and vulvovaginal atrophy due to menopause. So it can stop that. It can stop, um, it can be used to treat hypoestrogenism due to hypo, hypogonadism. So that's probably when your when your hormones are shifted in a way that you don't want them to be mm -hmm. and i don't know in what what kind of person or what kind of situation that occurs in and then if you have ovarian failure like it, it makes sense to me that you would want estrogen so mm -hmm. that's actually what leads to that loss in bone density is when you right. have premature ovarian failure so the estrogen can be used for that so i think that it just helps support the body when you're adding this progestion Okay. I think it acts in the same way, but it just kind of like supports the progestion. Can we talk about the hormones used in gender affirming therapy? Yeah. Um, when people are transitioning, are they like kind of the same hormones that are used in birth control? Yes. They okay. are the same hormones. They're just at different levels because when you are undergoing gender affirming therapy or when you're using hormones for menopause, you mm -hmm. only need to get it up to like what is a normal functioning level where you're not like losing bone loss and you're not like you know getting like facial hair growth or anything like that um whereas with birth control you're raising it to prevent pregnancy got it so you're taking it higher than that baseline level whereas mm -hmm. with gender affirming therapy we're taking it from a below and mm -hmm. trying to get it up to that baseline exactly so with got gender it. affirming therapy some of the drugs that I found are estradiol valerate, which is in the injection that you can get, but you can, okay. you can do it transdermally. You can do a patch of that. Okay. Um, you can do a pill. So it's basically all of the same stuff. They do pair it with different things. So they pair it with stuff to like bring down your testosterone, which okay. makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but it is associated with the same side effects. So if you are mm. getting feminizing hormone therapy, then you can still end up with... Um, blood clots, uh, your high triglycerides are raised in your blood, you'll gain weight, um, it can lead to hyperkalemia, which is high potassium, it can cause hypertension, it can cause type 2 diabetes, so basically everything that's associated with birth control is also associated with the feminizing hormones, and so if you have a history in your family of uh, blood clots, it's not recommended that you go on these hormones which yeah. i think really fucking sucks that does suck because if that's something that you desire to feel more you and mm -hmm. not being able to make that happen that's like no like not being dramatic like that's tragic yeah to me yeah like, and i mean it's it's probably a conversation you can have again with your doctor mm -hmm. and like there's no alternative like 
people who are taking birth control but are like over 35 and smoke or at risk for blood clots, they can take the mini pill with just progestion. But there's no like taking progesterone. You have to take these estrogens. So maybe right. it's a conversation you have with your doctor where you're like, I will literally kill myself. Like I will take the risk of the blood clot right. because the risk is better than me just like knowing that that's where I'm going. Right. Like I want to be the truest me no matter what that entails. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. What made you want to talk about birth control further? I think just um, during the research that I was doing, I kept coming across modern birth control and I was like, wow, I did not know about all of these dangers. Like I knew that the, the trials were dangerous for the Puerto Rican women, but I thought things have to have improved since then. And right. I mean, I guess in the back of my mind, I knew they hadn't because I'd gone to that memorial service when I was in college, but... Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, maybe that was a fluke, like a one in a million. Or but it's it just doesn't... with the pill, you know? Right. It doesn't seem like it's that far. Like, it's not... It's common enough for it to be a problem and it to be a known side effect and a documented side effect that's just not discussed yeah. as much. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to talk about it because I, I, I was finding that it wasn't as safe as I thought it was. And I don't know, I, I was finding information about like Yaz and Yasmin and I already knew about like Assure and I, I knew about the Dalcon shield, and it was just mm -hmm. like, I knew about all of these things, and I just, I hoped in my heart of hearts that things had improved, and they just have never really improved. Like, that these were a one-off, but yeah. it's not so much. Yeah. Um, I get, well, and something else, why is there no male birth control? Mm. So, they have started a couple trials for male birth control, but they have, um... They've, I don't know, they've been questioned because they're like, oh, men shouldn't go on birth control because their female partners don't trust them to take the pill, which is like, okay, if you're like in the dating game, that's right. already like an issue that comes up is like, guys, cis guys don't think the cis women that, you know, they're with or whatever combination going whichever way where there's penis and vagina, they don't think that that person is taking their pill. Like, that's going to be a problem regardless of who is taking what pill. Right. Right. But it's whether like, it's whether it's the, the, the woman who should be taking the pill or the man, like, there's going to be question. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if you're in, if you're in that scene, it's good to take the pill just for your health. And right. it would be fine to like for males to take the pill just because they, they don't, don't want to impregnate somebody. Right. But also like if you're not fluid bonded with somebody, if you're not with your person, you should also have a physical barrier. Is my opinion. I'm not going to tell people how to live their life, but like if that's the argument that the researchers are making, it's like people are not that stupid. If they don't trust someone to take a pill, they will do something else about it. Sure. And that's a pretty poor reason to just say this doesn't, we're just not going to do this anymore. Well, and it was something, too, where th when they actually surveyed people, they found that, like, 80% of men were like, I would take a pill. I would do it. Yeah, why not? And so it's like, that's not even an argument, especially in people who are in couples. Like, right. the, the other half would be fine with taking a pill. But every time the uh, study is conducted with a pill or with a gel, even, they have, like, this gel idea that they're trying out or okay. that they've been testing for male birth control and they're like oh 
Well, there were side effects, and so we don't really want to continue because of the side effects. But the side effects, five men on the pill reported mildly decreased sex drive, and two described mild erectile dysfunction, but sexual activity was not decreased. No participants stopped taking it because of side effects, and all passed safety tests. Okay, so that is a big difference from... uh, from blood clots that could kill you, from weight gain, mood change, interactions with a ton of drugs, and fucking juice. Yeah. Um, That's a big difference in the side effects. And if they're saying, like, that it changed their, um, what was it, their sexual behavior? Yeah. Or their, but it didn't bother them enough. Like, why are we not, why is this not a thing yet? Yeah. Like, as as we were talking about with another one of our friends recently, a woman can get pregnant once mm-hmm. in nine months where a man can impregnate as many women as he can get with, <laughs> pop a load off with. Yeah. Like, so... In my opinion, it would be easier to have the men do it, and then maybe we also wouldn't be dying from blood clots at 23. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous that we don't have one, really. Like, I even find an ethics paper that's like, it's ridiculous that we don't have one. And it seems really like... And I know this sounds tinfoil hat, (laughs) but it just, it seems less like they're trying to promote, like, women having control over their bodies, and they really just want to control us with our bodies. They want to control what hormones we're on, and they, it's, it's not like they're, like, keeping men and, you know, people, people who create sperm from, like, having control over their sexual health and their sexual independence. But that's what they're doing to us, essentially. And that's that's what the danger is. Right. And I mean, and I'd also, if I were a cishet man in another life um, and I were with my person, I would want to be able to have that body autonomy to say, I would like to not be able to get you pregnant. And we're in a one-on-one thing. And maybe we want to raw dog it. (laughs) Like, sorry, I'm just going to put it out. Like, but maybe I want to be able to do that and also not impregnate somebody. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't have that option. It's it's ridiculous. And I think, I think that, well, I don't want to say most. I live in a very, like, leftist bubble. <laughs> and so all of the males in my life are very like, yeah, I'm in this with you. Like, we're a partnership. Right. And I'm, I mean, I get... I get that there are men who don't feel that way, and that's very sad for the people that they're with. But in terms of the people I believe are going to push us into the future where we need to go, like, and the studies have shown, like, 80% of surveyed men want it, it, and, like, 70% or 80% of the men who were in these studies are like, I would keep doing this. So the the trials are continuing, but it's like... Why do we not have this? We like women have been yeah, on birth why is control this not for decades. Right. And I mean, I would there are I mean, I personally because of my blood disorder, I can't take hormones. Yeah. And 
I didn't know that for quite some time um, until I had some really bad attacks. And so then after that, it's like, well, I can't take birth control. Right. Like, I can't take any type of hormonal birth control. And so even if I'm in a monogamous relationship, mm -hmm. like, my, I have very limited options in what I could do. And nothing my partner could do about it, really. Like, so it would be nice to have, because I know that it, like, I'm not just a one-off. There are plenty of reasons why people can't take hormones. Right. You know, and not to mention, I mean, even just the side effects. Mm -hmm. I just remembered that I had this next bolded part that I wanted to come back to. So I'm not just wearing a tinfoil hat. I have reasons for thinking this. Yeah. So when we were talking about Norplant, a mere two days after Norplant's approval by the FDA, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer ran an editorial headlined, Poverty and Norplant, Can Contraception Reduce the Underclass? Yeah. And it's not just Philadelphia being racist as hell, because that is mostly what it is. I mean, obviously there's like a class thing, but women were given the option of either Norplant and sterilization or jail time in, where the fuck was this? Uh, in 1993, for a period of time after Norplant was released, that one that you put in your arm, mm -hmm. if they were found to have been, like, convicted of child abuse or drug use during a pregnancy. And so, like, it's not just me being like, they're trying to control us and I'm being crazy and hysterical. They were actually trying to force women to become sterilized. And it's not like this is unique, either. Like, sterilization or jail time or sterilization during jail time... That's not that that That's didn't end. That was literally happening. Yes, yes. I mean, recently. It was, yeah, at at the border between the United States and Mexico, with the people that we were keeping in fucking cages and sterilizing the women. Yeah, and even like, and then even in ninety three, that is not ancient history. No, God, no. Like that's in our lifetimes. Yeah. Like that's. And I mean, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, is child abuse bad? Yes, of course we know that. But to, like, I mean, what would most of us choose if we're giving those two options? I mean, most of us are going to probably say, yeah, take away my, rep my reproductive rights and autonomy because I don't want to go to jail. Nobody, nobody wants to go to jail. Yeah, well, you, you lose the time that you would be getting your kids back or getting off drugs or getting help. You have to put that on your resume probably like when you apply for jobs like i have been in jail like right. there's all of these things where if you just get sterilized you're like well i can't I have, have any more children but i can avoid all this bullshit and that's not and i mean and what happens if that were to a person like me who can't take hormones and it's like oh well i'm just fucked i guess i don't have a choice i can't opt into this like n abhorrent sterilization program right like and I mean, while we're fucking talking about things that aren't ancient history, we, you and I have been talking about all the residential schools in Canada that have yeah. been finding mass graves. And, like, I get that it's Canada, and I get that people in the United States aren't talking about it much. Like, again, my leftist bubble, we're talking about it. But, like, that is not ancient history. The last residential school closed in 1996. And I just learned that in the last decade, they have uncovered that they were giving Canadian indigenous girls as young as nine IUDs and it's like so these are these are all related if you want to be like oh the residential schools closed and it's not a problem 10 years ago they were giving nine-year-olds IUDs and I'm doubting it was the copper ones so they were giving 
they hormones. Were hormones to nine-year-olds. They were giving them this invasive thing when they're not probably, you know, doing anything that requires that. It is a form of sterilization that they're attempting, but these are on little girls. And if it only lasts for five years, it's going to wear off before they're probably sexually active, remain in their bodies when it's not, you know, doing anything as far as hormonal birth control. And it can cause a septic or ectopic pregnancy. Like, this is genocide, you know? This is still an act of genocide. Straight up. And, I mean, because why are we giving prepubescent girls yeah. an IUD? How can we expect a 14-year-old indigenous girl to be able to go to the doctor and say, oh, I mean, she, she probably doesn't even know that 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 thing inside of her it needs to come out and when it needs to come out yeah like yeah. and can and i've never had an iud but everybody who i have known who's had one has said that it is absolutely fucking painful it is one of the most painful things i've ever endured yeah and so to think about that happening uh, i mean because it's i'm sorry like even if a nine-year-old girl is like yeah sure like no that is not consent like they no. do not have the ability to consent to that, and that is disgusting it's and It's fucking traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm skipping ahead in our um, outline here, but if they do... If they, if they do talk to somebody and they're like, this thing happened to me, and an adult's able to put it together and be like, we need to remove that, the Paragard, which is what I have, so I'm super stoked on this, is um, not, in a, not in an active lawsuit, but they are starting to collect claims from women who say that when the Paragard is removed, it can actually break when you remove it. So there is a lawsuit that's like kind of being collected. Right, like the in Paragard. the beginning stages. Mm -hmm. And it's not the first one by any means. The Morena also had a lawsuit against it, um, and that was because uh, it perforated the uterus, which when they when you get your IUD, they tell you that like it, it can do that, but like this was causing severe damage beyond what they tell you the risks, risks are of having it inserted or removed. And so the Morena had uh, a lawsuit against it as well. And perforating meaning like punching through my actual uterus mm -hmm. is what that, that sounds terrible. And mm -hmm. I have no idea even, or if you know, like, I imagine that if you had a perforated uterus, like there's probably some type of surgery or procedure. They have to go to in. To fix definitely. it. Yeah, yeah. To go in and sew that shit up. And then who knows how that can affect your reproductive system moving forward when you think you're getting something that's not a permanent permanent mm -hmm. sterilization jesus yeah. and of course bear is like oh it's just like the doctors who were inserting it incorrectly it's their fault not ours. yes yeah. bear is bear is behind most of these lawsuits actually bear was also behind the assure if anybody remembers what the assure birth control was it was a permanent birth What's control it was a uh it's a disposable delivery and wind-down insert, so it was this wrap made of nickel that they just put into a fallopian tube, and it was supposed to be um, kind of like tubal ligation, but you didn't have to go in laparoscopically to do it. Okay. And so they just put it in, and that stopped pregnancy, but it hasn't been available since 2018 because it was, like, 
breaking through the fallopian tube and just causing all sorts of fucking damage and perforation and other organs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's Bear, Bear actually was like, this isn't on us either. And they only stopped selling it because sales went down, but they were not forced to stop sales of the Assure. And have any of these lawsuits, um, have any of these lawsuits kind of put the end on any of these medications or halted their... Mm -mm. No, no. Um, another one, like the, the NuvaRing also had a lawsuit against it, and that one was related to the hormones, but they didn't have to stop. It's just like sales decreased, and so they stopped. There, like, there's never been the FDA stepping in and saying these are too high. Even with Enovid, when it had the really high estrogen, and the just, one that we were talking about with the Puerto Rican, with the, yeah, women. Okay. that very first birth control, they brought it down. They were like, here's the Enovid E. It has less estrogen in it, or less everything in it. And then they eventually just like naturally, the market was calling for for lower doses, and then their competitors were creating lower dose pills. So. The, the Enovid pill was just phased out because it was too high of estrogen and physicians weren't prescribing it and consumers weren't taking it. But nobody has ever stepped in and been like, this is too high. Yeah, I mean, rhetorical question, but <laughs> dear FDA, like, what would it take well, for, yeah. for you to stop something? Like, I in all, like, how many people have to be harmed or killed? Mm-hmm. Even with this. even with the Dalcon shield, and that's not something that we talked a whole lot about, but I think I think that's the reason that people were afraid of IUDs. Like when I got mine, there was still kind of that fear, and like you, it does cause perforation sometimes. Even when they put it in, they say they have to like sound the uterus, and so th if you're watching the video, you get this great demonstration with my pen, where like your uterus is just like made up of like fibers like that, right? And so they'll like look for how deep it is, and they'll like you know, feel around kind and of poke at it. Sometimes it can poke through and they're like, oop, okay, well, that's just going to heal and you'll have to come back your next period. And I was terrified that that would happen. And that's a known, that's a known thing that can happen. But the whole like it falling out or it puncturing, like that is not supposed to happen. And so but I it think, does. <laughs> and I think people were afraid of that, but the fucking Dalcon shield looks like something out of like the Jurassic or Cretaceous you know, one of those, like, dinosaur-type things where it's, like, it's huge. It was, like, this big. And if anybody wants more information on it, they can go listen to the Swindled podcast about it because he does a really fucking good job about it. Excellent episode. And the only, that is the only one I can think that the FDA did anything, but it was after the fact. It was after the Dalcon Shield started to plummet in sales, and the FDA right. was like, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start saying that we actually do have to regulate medical devices, including IUDs, but they didn't actually put a stop to the Dalcon shield. They just said, yeah, I guess that it's important that we look at these things, which, I mean, cool, but at what cost? Yeah. You know? It, yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like the FDA doesn't take things as seriously as one might think and hope no in fact in my head they've got this like strict like big rubber stamp that says like denied you know like i wish reject but it just sounds like they're like ah. yeah they're like well well let's see how it works on a large scale population it's like why why um, but there's another thing in bold that i wanted to come back to because that's a that's a really good like 
segue into this because the FDA, I wish it was better. I wish it was so much better, but it's not. Um, okay. It's about the NuvaRing, which is, it had a lawsuit against it. So in 2001, the, um, the FDA approved NuvaRing and they also approved the birth control patch OrthoEvra. And, um, OrthoEvra was found to have higher levels of estrogen than they meant, and so they re like required all of this relabeling by the FDA. But despite the fact that the NuvaRing, which has a lawsuit against it that's been settled out by Merck, despite the fact that it had like essentially the same thing going on, they didn't require relabeling, even though even though there was a study performed by a Danish guy that found that. Um, women using a vaginal ring had an estimated six and a half times increased risk of venous thromboembolism, so that deep vein thrombosis. That's the the blood clot that'll kill you. Yeah, compared to non-uses of hormonal contraception. So not not compared to like other contraceptives, but still like six and a half times. That's a big. That's yeah. a big increase. And, and so labeling was required, relabeling was required in Canada, but not in the United States. But they relabeled OrthoEvra because of like fucking financial bullshit. Don't we love capitalism? Yeah. Don't we love it? Don't we it's love it? It's the fucking best. <sighs> I'm just, it, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm happy that at least Canada had that going for them. Um, yeah. Despite the torture of the young indigenous children mm -hmm. but big fail big fa i mean because i mean let's well let's relay this to the johnson and johnson vaccine right like mm -hmm. so there's there was the big concern about blood clots that could happen Am I right in saying that the frequency that they were having in the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine was lower than the frequency that people experience blood clots from birth control? Yes, yes. And that's that's based on the fact that, like, so many millions of people got the Johnson & Johnson and there was, like, a, a small handful of women who got blood clots. And, of course... Since we released the episode, it is worth clarifying that, like, they are different, which I, I did say that they are different blood clots. One is venous. So the venous ones, you can get that swelling and your leg is hot, usually in your legs or arms, and then you okay. get the pulmonary embolism if part of it breaks off. You can take warfarin for that. Okay. The Johnson & Johnson were arterial clots, and I guess arterial clots are very sudden, and there's not a whole lot you can do to prevent them. So, like, yes, they are different, but also, yes, Johnson & Johnson had way more infrequent blood clots and they halted they, they i mean the yeah the fda said whoa 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 let's pause on the j and j mm -hmm. take a step back and kind of i mean which yeah it's great that they kind of had to, they paused and took a step back and said you know let's do a cost benefit analysis here yeah right mm -hmm. but yet people on birth control don't have that same care mm -hmm. afforded to them is nope. what i'm understanding yeah pretty much pretty much okay and it sucks and i mean i i again do not want to be a fear monger some like it is it is an asset if this is something that you're like doing because this is a choice that you are making like right 
you know, good on you for taking control of your body. And so if people are listening and they're like, I don't want to do the IUD and I'm really susceptible to yeast infections and, you know, may maybe you do use a physical barrier, but you also want that backup, which I think that's great. You should always try to use two Children forms. are forever. Children are forever. Use two forms of birth control. And so if there are people who are like, what am I going to do? You guys are scaring me. Um, I have some tips that I found. And I think yeah, Cosmo published this. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it because, I mean, I think what we would, we would hope that our listeners get from this. And if you are, if you don't have uteruses and that's not a worry for you, educate the people in your life who do take birth control and just help them advocate for themselves. Because I think that's what we really want to get across. Like you have to advocate for yourself mm -hmm. with your medical care. As my therapist puts it, nobody else is going to do it for you. Unfortunately. Sadly. <laughs> Unfortunately. So yeah. you have to be there for you. So what, what can we do? Okay. So if you are still considering taking a form of hormonal birth control, um, it's good for you to know that most people suffer from the blood clots during their first six months on a new pill. So either a new pill or a pill that you've changed to. And so that's when you need to be like really cognizant and paying attention. Like, are you getting any pain in your legs? Um, you can you can drink more water to ensure that your blood is a little bit thinner. You can talk to your doctor about being put on blood thinners if you do want to take a combination pill, but you're worried about it. There's also the mini pill, which is better for people who are 35 and above, smoke, or at higher risk. Um, and also talk to your doctor if you're maybe going to be doing something where you can't move around as much. Maybe you normally do move around or you can tell yourself to move around, get your 10,000 steps or whatever it is to make sure that your blood is moving. But if you're going on a plane ride, talk to your doctor and talk about what to do to redu reduce your risks, risk of clotting. And then also just know um, what the signs of a blood clot are and be just really cognizant of what's going on in your body. Are you getting headaches? Are you experiencing discomfort? And then if you are, contact the doctor as soon as possible because like I said, the Johnson & Johnson blood clots did happen very quickly, but if they're deep vein thrombosis clots, there is something that can be done so that they are not life-threatening. I like it. Yeah. Just talk to your doctor and ask questions and do not let a doctor make you feel like you are asking too many questions you were paying top dollar mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. that time for yeah. that five to ten minutes that you get with them yeah fucking use it yeah and don't don't let them make you feel bad about your weight either like if if you bring up like hey i'm over 155 is this okay don't let them try to tell you anything about your weight because that's a stupid fucking number to begin yeah, with and it happens to a lot of women with PCOS, yeah. like a lot of people with PCOS. Like it happens to a lot of them with the weight thing. Like, no, shut the fuck up. And birth control and is probably <laughs> going to make you put on weight anyhow. Right. right. So just educate yourself before you go in, have a good list of questions, mm -hmm. be that patient, advocate for yourself. Advocate for yourself. Yes. Yes. And shoot us, if you're like, what do I even ask? Shoot us a message. Yeah. Like, <laughs> seriously. Because I would rather somebody ask and, like, need a hand with that than go in and then just be a deer in headlights and not know how to navigate that appointment. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, is oh. there anything else you want to say? Fuck the FDA. <laughs> Fuck Bear. Fuck like, Bear. Fuck Merck. Like, God. Yeah. Fuck anybody who harmed indigenous children and anybody who does any type of forced sterilization. Um, Murder your government. Yep. <laughs> we hate capitalism and... Yeah, advocate for yourself. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. This was, and yeah, and we want birth control for men. Yes. Please. Yes. It's at the top of my wish list. <laughs> yeah, this was, I, I always leave a scared, um, usually from our episodes. This one was more infuriating than yeah. scared. Yeah. So was that was a angry. change for mm -hmm. me, at least like a check-in of where I'm at. <laughs> Um, normally I'm scared. Today I'm just angry. <laughs> so there's that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Well, and okay, so we're back to recording. I hope everybody likes my new studio that you it's can beautiful. see if you're a patron. It's which beautiful. It's only $2, but we have the $5 tier now. What, what? Yeah. So it's only five bucks and you get Discord access and you can watch summer movies with us. We are going to watch movies with poisons and chat about them, eat some snacks. It's mm -hmm. going to be a fun time. Yeah. If you want to be there or be square. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. tell your friends, help us, help us live our dreams. <laughs> Yeah, and less I hope... than a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's less than guacamole. Less than guacamole on your Chipotle burrito or burrito bowl. Exactly. Yeah, so come hang out with us this summer. I want to see all of you. Thanks for everything. Thanks. Remember to advocate for yourself. We love you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>